What is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music? The tradition? Or the ministries? These are all good things, but they are not the church. Take them away, and the church is still here. Why? Because you are still here. The church is you. The church is you with a purpose. The church is you on a mission. The church is you with a plan, a simple plan to plug into God at a weekend service, to charge up in a small group community, to live out using your gifts and passions, and to pass on your faith to those who do not know Christ. When you and I live like this, all the things we used to do in church become things we do as the church. God desires it. The world needs it. And we are called to be it. What is the church? The church is you. All right. Last Sunday, uh, we really began a focus on the church. And uh, at the annual meeting we had in February, we, we shared that one of, our, one of our hearts, one of our priorities for this calendar year uh, is really to, to give opportunity for those who have been with us since we moved uh, to this new facility last June. Uh, when people come and visit, we're like, hey, you know what? Pray. Pray and see if this is where God is going to have you connect with us, commit with us. And, and, and if it is, that's awesome. We want to help you understand what that is and, and what that means. And so uh, we're, we've begun that process, uh, and we're starting with really looking at what is the church. And then next week, uh, I'm going to be sharing what does it mean to be connected to this church. If God is calling you to Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you go about that? Uh, last Sunday... Uh, Mark and Bill did a wonderful job helping us understand church from the context of what they experienced in Haiti. They went to church in Haiti, and God profoundly impacted them. And if you were here last Sunday, you know, what was the word? Freedom. Freedom. And, and, and God, God really, really spoke to many here. Last Sunday was a powerful, powerful movement of God as, as we understood that, that church is... It's not just these four walls, but, but the heart of it is there's freedom in Christ. Freedom, right? And, and this morning we are, we are privileged uh, once again to have uh, Pastor Michael join us. And he's going to be speaking about uh, what it is to be the church. Uh, if you weren't here in November, Pastor Michael came and spoke in, in November. And just a little background on him so you get to know him if you, if you haven't heard him speak yet. Uh, I've known him for 
uh, 20 plus years, we served on staff together at a church in Oceanside. Uh, he's ordained pastor, spent several years in pastoral ministry, full-time ministry. Uh, he's part of this church from the very beginning. We have what's called an accountability board. There are three pastors, uh, one in Oceanside, one in Colorado, one in Tracy, that we call the accountability board. So we have an elder board here, and then we, when, we, when we incorporated, when we set up, we said, you know what? God put on heart, we want to have an accountability board. And so they have committed to really, that's on me. And they have been given permission, and, and the three pastors that are on the accountability board, I've known uh, over 20 years each, and uh, they ask me the hard questions. They know what's going on uh, in my life. They know what's going on in this church uh, from day one. And it's great to have uh, Pastor Michael here. And so he spent several years in full-time ministry with me, and then we went our separate ways, and I ended up here, and he's been in, in a few churches in various capacities. But in the last several years, God called him and opened doors for him to begin to bring the church to the marketplace, right? Because, again, when we say we're going to be speaking about the church, church is kind of a loaded word. And we tend to go to what, well, let's go to church. How many this morning said it's time to go to church? Right? So sort of we, we can inadvertently pick up these, you know, not full definitions. Because church is a go, place we go to. And then when it's over, we leave church. But truth be known, do you ever stop being the church? You never stop being the church. Right? And what does that mean, especially in the marketplace? In the marketplace. And so... Uh, Michael has really been gifted by the Lord uh, to bring his gifts, his, his talents, uh, into the marketplace, specifically working with CEOs and, and business owners. He, he does corporate training, consulting, uh, coaching uh, with Christian and non-Christian CEOs. Uh, he works with CEOs who deal with revenue. Their businesses are about from a few million all the way up to CEOs that uh, manage assets of $5 billion credit unions. So he is in the marketplace, and he has been gifted, and God has opened doors for him to bring biblical principles of servant leadership and, and, and necessary leadership skills into the marketplace. And so uh, we're blessed to have him here because... He brings this perspective of being the church from being in the church as a pastor and then being in the secular marketplace with the leaders in government and public agencies and corporations. And so he has this perspective of, well, what does that mean then? Because oftentimes we can create this gap. Here's the church and then here's my life or here, I go to church, and then tomorrow morning, I go to work, right? And then, so, sometimes we, we don't realize, no, you bring this into all of this. You just don't leave this here. And so, uh, Pastor Michael brings a unique perspective, a unique uh, set of skills and experiences to share with us, to preach really from God's Word on what it means to be the church. So, Michael, come on up, buddy. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Um, it's great to uh, to see you all again. It's um, you know I was <laughs> there's lots of things I remember, but then like times and schedules 
like for my everyday life I do, but then I'm thinking, when was I here last? You know, so I'm looking through, and I'm like, oh, that was November. So, uh, so some of you I got to meet in November, but I know that there's many new people. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this. The church is often described as the body, right? It's the only body. It's the only, it's the only body where you can go, wow, you've gotten bigger, and everyone's happy about it. I was thinking about that, you know, because if I said that to you personally, you'd be a little bit offended, even if you knew me well. So, so, um, and I've gotten bigger since the last time we were here as well. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I always think that's is a, it's a very strange thing. So, so, uh, you know, this image up here, uh, when I was prepping, you'll see, I'll, I'll use a lot of the images behind the words. Uh, you know, for me, I, I'm thinking, oh, these images are important images. And so I, I, you know, I, I ripped this one off the internet. Google is amazing. You can plagiarize anything. So I, I go on to uh, Google, and I find a picture of the church. And I took a picture of it, and then I was prepping. And I think it's a great picture, by the way. Whoever took the picture, um, it's a pretty great picture, you know, of, the, of just the colors and everything. But, and the cross and how it's situated there. But really, for today's purpose, I wish what I could do is turn it around, because the perspective, as Richie was talking about, is I've had both. You know, being able to stand up here, and when I see the church as the position of pastor, teacher, in these settings, I'm seeing all of you. I'm not thinking about the programs in that moment, although I do a lot of thinking about that stuff. I'm not thinking about the building necessarily, although that's a good thing, but it's really the people that I get to see. So this is an amazing perspective. If you ever get a chance when you're here, you know, just kind of come up here and look because it's pretty amazing when you see the faces and, and, and everyone sitting in here um, has some God-given potential that is either discovered and being worked out or it is yet to be discovered and there's going to be a moment of time when you do discover it and you're going to be blown away by what God might do you know, in your life and through your life into the lives of others. So it's pretty amazing. I also had the opportunity to, to go in, as Richie said, and, and speak to mostly secular audiences using biblical principles. So the fun part of that is I have to speak two languages. So it's, it's missionary work in the sense that if I were a missionary in Brazil, right, what language would I speak? Right, Portuguese, right, right. And... Uh, and if you know me well, you would know that I have no aptitude for that. That being said, um, what I do have an aptitude for is taking these principles and creating for people a lens through which to view their leadership in the marketplace, non-believers and some believers as well, to think about how do I lead, how do I serve, how do I influence the people around me. And the Bible is, no, uh, is the best source of that for all of our lives, even for the people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus. It is the best source. Now, they may not be ready for me to go, hey, this comes out of 1 Timothy 4.12, or whatever verse I reference, but they would like me to say to them, hey, how are you going to set an example with the way you speak, with the way you live your life, with the way you care for the people around you, the people who work for you? with how you uh, build trust with people. How, how, how would you do that? And, and I had an experience of that recently, a number of months ago, uh, where I sat there, six CEOs, these were the guys managing the billions of dollars in these credit units, and I said to them, your speech, and they're going, oh yeah, I need to love my people better. I need to 
do this, I need to do that. But they didn't know it was 1 Timothy 4.12, set an example for believers in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. But they want to set an example for believers. So this is a unique perspective that I'm going to hopefully share with you today. So um, what I'd like to talk about is, is the church. So we can define the church institutionally, right? It's this building. Uh, there's aspects of this building that make it a church. The identification, the symbols, um, the, the when, when you meet, right? When does church meet? Well, you guys, it's a little strange. Some of you are going to be like, Saturday night, you know, and then it moves to Sunday. And then, but most of the time, traditionally, we meet on Sunday mornings for church service. And I say what Richie said earlier all the time. Hey, we have to go to church. And then my nine-year-old goes, oh. And uh, I said, no, you know, it's part of what we do. And she goes, okay, you know. And, and, um, and, uh, and, and so this is kind of often what we think about. But it really is the people, like the video talked about, the things that we have the opportunity to do and be the church. So let me, let me go into the book of Ephesians. Um, let's, I'm going to pray quickly as I open God's word here, and then I'm going to read. Uh, Lord Jesus, as we continue to worship you and now worship you through the learning and the consideration of your word, God, I pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive, whatever it is from your word that you would have for us, God. Uh, help me to step out of the way and just communicate uh, your truth in a way that um, transforms all of our lives in some way, God, that we would meet you in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have here um, Paul's writing to the Ephesian church. And as he's writing to the Ephesian church, Paul does this really great thing. Um, he does it in the book of Romans as well. He does it. So, so he goes, um, chapter 1 in Ephesians, he's talking about who God is and what God's done. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, who God is and what God's done. Chapter 3 of Ephesians, who God is and what God's done. And then in four, he pivots. He, he does a pivot. So he's saying who God is and what God's done. So just like I could point you all to the, to the cross and say, look who Jesus is and look what Jesus has done. Look who Jesus is and look what Jesus has done. Then all of a sudden, he, it, right here in the beginning of chapter four, he goes like this. Now, now, here's what we have to do. So he moves from exposition, expositionally talking about who God is, to exhortation, to saying, okay, now here we go. Now here we go. This is where we're going. We're going there together. And he does the same thing in the book of Romans. Eleven chapters, eleven chapters, who God is, what God's done, who God is, deep theology, deep doctrine. And then he says, in, in Romans, he says, therefore, and he turns it around, he goes, therefore, and then he begins to tell us what to do. And it's exhortation. And so this is, this is Paul's exhortation this morning. I'm going to start, I'm going to read through the chapters and then I'm going to, uh, the, the verses, I'm sorry, and then I'm going to land on about one or two. He says this, he says, chapter 4, verse 1, as, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were, call, when you were called. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and is all, in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So he's saying, okay, right here he's going, this is what it's all about. This is why God has done all of this. It's at this moment he's going to apportion, he's going to give, he's going to release you to be the church in the world and be given gifts and capabilities and experiences. And now all of those things are going to be brought to bear in every aspect of your life. It wasn't let's huddle and let's stay huddled. It wasn't, hey, we're the church and we're going to keep on being the church like this. Could you imagine if I just huddled all of you up in groups of ten and you just walked around like this in groups of ten? Wouldn't be comfortable, you know? And, uh, and so he's saying release, release with these gifts and talents. goes on and it says, what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lowest earthly region? So he's talking about just Jesus' descent and ascent. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. I'm going to stop there for a second. So, when we see those things, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, we go, oh, that's the church. You know, people who are specially anointed to have these roles and to preach and teach and, you know... And that's the church. But no, 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 no. They just have a role to play. Their role to play is to um, instruct. Their role to play is to intercede. Their role to play is to exhort. I mean, there's no pastor that I know, except if he's an egomaniac and out of control and not listening to the Lord, okay, and that does happen. It's not happening here, but that does happen. What will happen then Every pastor that I know who really loves the Lord and wants to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ will say, yes, I want to instruct. I want to teach the word of God. I've been, God has encouraged me to teach his word. And so I want to exercise that gift. And of course I want to pray for the people that he brought into my life. Because I love them and I care about them. And, and some of them are hard to love and I've got to pray harder for them. You know, Of course pastors want that. But they really want the trifecta. They want to be able to instruct. They want to intercede, meaning pray on your behalf. But what they really want to do is exhort and see, see people move out and around their world to do great things on God's behalf. There was a moment, there was a young guy um, who's actually on the accountability board. He's not young any longer. And... Um, and, and I shared this story yesterday with the leaders when I was doing some training yesterday here at the church. And he was a janitor in the church when I met him. And he was cleaning up some mess I made in my junior high youth room, I believe. I probably broke something. Things were always breaking. And, um, and he comes in, and I start talking to him. And I realized that, that, that just from my conversation with him, I'm like, there's something about this guy that God wants to reveal to him. And I don't know what it is. But I'm going to figure out if there's a way for me to connect with him so that I can encourage him in his ministry. So I can encourage him to think about volunteering in some way. And so as we're talking and we're praying about it, he ended up becoming my intern. 
And so I said, okay, they lost the janitor staff person. He came on to be my intern, and I worked with him for a couple of years. And I watched his giftedness, and we would do these crazy videos, and we would, we would have all this fun, and, and we were seeing kids come to Jesus. I mean, tens, tens and twelves at a time, you know, as we're meeting, and they're making decisions for Jesus Christ. And we're watching this whole thing unfold. And then I decide that God leads me off to another ministry, and I left the ministry in his care, and I felt completely confident that he would be able to take it forward, and he did take it forward. And so he continued to serve the Lord, he continued to reach kids, he continued to invest in the adults. And then I watched a little bit further ahead. Then I moved, and then it was harder for me to keep in touch on a day-to-day basis. A couple of years after I moved, I moved back into Oceanside, where he was now a youth pastor at another church. And I show up on that Sunday, um, I'm sitting, being the church, in the church. I don't have any official role, right? And I'm sitting there. And in this church service, they would do baptisms um, at the end of the service. They had a baptismal set up, and uh, it was set up behind, you know, the, the stage area. And, and unbeknownst to me, he's getting ready to baptize someone. And as I'm sitting there, I, um, I'm actually getting emotional about it now. Um, I just began to cry. Because to watch someone go from, I don't know, I'm just sitting here hanging out in the church, to serving God in some significant way that I don't even remember who he was baptized. I mean, the person he baptized was irrelevant. It was, to me at that moment, it was more watching the progression of someone become the church, be more and more the church. And that, to me, is a phenomenal experience. So God calls me into the marketplace to do this. And I go, what is that about? I don't, I don't get to talk about Jesus freely in the marketplace. Not, not necessarily so. Although there's one funny story. It was Christmas time. I was going to see a client, public agency, the largest metropolitan planning organization in the country. And I'm standing there, and I was working with the executive team. And I'm sitting in the lobby. A pretty good relationship with the receptionist. I don't know what happened, but I always have my phone in my pocket, right? So I had my phone on me. It was in my pocket but not doing anything. It's set on silent. It's not intrusive normally. And I'm talking to the, one of the senior people in the lobby, and it's holidays, so I'm saying, oh, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever. I said Merry Christmas, I think, and I didn't get a bad look, so I was okay. So I said, you know, Merry Christmas. We're talking about what are you going to do for Brent? But I'm hearing, like, Matthew West, and I'm like, I didn't know they had music in here. I'm kind of like looking around going, I never heard music in the lobby before, but okay, that's kind of cool. Someone has a Christian station on, apparently. And so we're talking, and the music's still going, and I'm like, this is really weird, you know? Another song comes on, it's another Christian song. This is really weird. You know, so we're talking, she leaves. So, you know, she leaves, and what do most of us do? We check our phones, right? And she leaves, and I go, oh, my music was on the whole time on my phone. Anyway, that was embarrassing. Let me get back to the Word of God. So... I was watching Chris baptize this guy, the, one of the accountability board pastors. His name is Chris. I'm watching him baptize someone, and I'm seeing the church um, function in such a, a significant way. Verse 12 here, it says, it's kind of right in the middle of a sentence. So, so he's, he's given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. If you have your Bible open, and if you write in it like I do, now you take a your pen and you make a big circle around to the word to 
And he says he's done this for these pastors, teachers are to prepare God's people for works of service so that they can build up the body of Christ, right? So that the body of Christ may be built up to prepare. So what does that mean? It means that each one of us have platforms we get to serve in and on. And that platform is the place where when you come on Sunday or you're in a Bible study in the evening, those are places of preparation. Those are places of instruction. Those are places of intercession. Those are places of exhortation to send you into your family, to send you into your workplace, to send you into your neighborhood, to send you into other areas of life to be the church to those people who maybe aren't here yet, but we get to be the church to them. And that's a significant part of this. There's, so there's two pieces here. If you can forward that slide, please. So two purposes of verse 12. I'm just going to kind of point to the screen for a second here. Two purposes of verse 12. One is the immediate purpose. The immediate purpose is for the organizational church, your pastors here, to prepare you for works of service. That's an immediate thing. That every time you're coming on a Sunday, if you were here yesterday at the training we did, it's all about to prepare you for works of service. The word work there is really talking about your work. It's not, it's not just works of service within the church. It's all of your work. It was inclusive of all work. It wasn't just specifically to serve in the church, although that's a very important thing to do. The second part was the ultimate purpose, which is so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is all to the glory of God. This is all to the glory of God. Uh, and, 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 and when we're serving... Through the effective use of our gifts, talents, and abilities in all aspects of our life, we are then able to fully experience what God desires for us to experience, which is to see his goodness in all things, to see his work in all people, to see this, this, this work continuing. Because if we cloister away our faith to just Sunday night, Sunday mornings, and then there's a book out there called The Monday Morning Atheist. And it's talking about the person who they praise God all Sunday, but Monday morning they act as if there wasn't a God involved in their life. And this is an incredible tragedy for us. So, so what, we, what, we're, what we're always trying to do is as people gather around worship and the word is to prepare you to go out and do works of service both here locally beyond and then ultimately to be built up so that God is glorified. So that God is magnified. So that God is experienced even by people who do not yet know him. Right? So this is the magnificent thing we get to watch. And this is why I'm so passionate about it. I, I think that as we think about being sent out, then our, our, literally the way we view our work changes. The, the way we think about the people who are around us. That annoying coworker that drives you nuts... When they become someone that you pray for diligently, that, your view of that person changes. And when your view of that person changes, you are beginning to see what God does when he views you and he is, he is watching your transformation. When he is sitting there going, oh, 
this Michael guy is such an idiot. He is so stupid. I mean, I really, I believe that God just does this every day with me. I promise you, I promise you he does that. So on the way up here, I had to laugh, okay? I'm driving up, and I wasn't in a big rush. I came up yesterday morning. I had to start at 9. I was, knew I was going to be about an hour early. But um, I drive a little fast, you know? And, uh, and so I'm confessing, so please forgive me, all of you, and pray on my behalf. So I drive a little fast, but I wasn't in a particular rush. It wasn't like I was feeling rushed. I was just going, you know, just going the speed limit at this point. I stopped in Ventura. I got back in the car, going the speed limit, taking my time. But I got behind someone, and at about the same time I got behind this person, Richie calls me. And they are driving slow, like really slow. And I drive a five-speed manual transmission car, and I'm driving in fourth. Now, I don't drive some race car. Please understand this. My car has about 70 horsepower. It is a little gas zipper of a car. So I'm driving in fourth thinking, oh, fourth is like 30 miles per hour. Okay, you know, I can handle this. I have to shift into third. And they go slower. And I'm not tailgating. I'm not, I'm just driving really slow. And he's on the phone with me, and I just start laughing. And we hung up, and I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, it was, it was about, it should have taken me about 10 minutes to get here. And I think I was on like 10 minutes, and I was still like, down the road quite a bit. So, so then he, I see a light up ahead, and the light's turning yellow, and this person's driving very cautiously. And then, and then, and then they decide to go through the yellow light, which boggled my mind. And, and so anyway, I was, okay, good, he's getting ahead of me, and I'll have a little more space to drive. And, 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 and just as, as the, my light turns, just before my light turned green, a truck pulls in front, and I think it was his brother. Because he was going, and I just started laughing. Because I'm thinking, okay, God, you, you must ha- have some reason for me to need to slow down and, and need to pay attention. And rather than getting agitated, which is my normal behavior, to really just sit back. And I didn't go into some prayer and worship session. Don't get me wrong here. I just thought, oh, okay, this is funny. I'm going to laugh, and I'm just going to have a good time with it. But God changes our perspective is my point. When we, rather than get aggressively like, what is this person doing? Why is this person annoying me in my workplace? Why is this happening? Why are they taking my stapler every time? Why are they doing this? When that's happening, we leave very, room, very little room for God to speak to us. But when we start praying for people, God opens up our hearts and our minds to what the possibilities might be and why someone may be behaving. So this is life-transforming stuff for us. Life-transforming stuff. Let me move ahead here. And um, I want to give you four, five, five ways to get this immediate purpose and this ultimate purpose activated in our lives. The first way is to connect. Right? So what do I mean by that? So part of the church is that we're connected in fellowship with one another. That we have moments where we connect together that we worship corporately, that we sit in small groups together, and that we build one another up toward love and good deeds. That is part of what we do. And in that, we ought to be connecting with God, because it's not just a social hour, it's much more. It's us relating to one another and ultimately relating to God. 
And we live in a world full of busyness and loneliness, and people are hungry for that. Hungry for it. And so inviting people into relationship and really being the body of Christ to one another. Really living the body life. So it's connecting to God. It's also connecting to others. And this is instrumental in what we get to do. So when I'm, so I take this principle as part of the church, me being the church, I desire to connect and I, I intentionally look to connect with everyone that I interact with throughout my day. Now, I don't always do a good job at it, but I want to look when I'm sitting and coaching that CEO, I want to be able to say, okay, let me get to know them, and then we'll talk about what their concerns are and needs are and where we move, right? And, and this is part of the body life. So when I think about the body, I think about your part of my family, but I also have cousins that aren't here and aunts and uncles that aren't here that are part of this body life for me as well. And they're outside of it, and I want to invite them in to my life and to the experience I have. The second thing we look at is we, we need to discover, your, to discover your gifts and calling. To discover how is it that God uniquely knit you together? What are the things, the experiences he's provided you? The way in which he allows you to view the world, the people you interact with. You know, I, I sit back sometimes and I think, God, how have you created opportunities for me to get into the places that I'm getting into? Because I promise you it's not a great business plan that I'm operating with. I mean, it's the greatest business plan because it's staying surrendered to God and following his lead. It's the greatest business plan. It's the greatest strategic plan you can come up with. But a lot of it is is so out out of, out of nowhere, it feels like half the time. You know, um, this these um, credit union CEOs, six of them in the room with me for a weekend. I shared this a little bit in November. I won't go into detail, but we spent two days together in Wisconsin, which is beautiful in the spring, and we're there. And I'm going around the room and I'm talking about my purpose is to impact people's lives. And so I'm here to invest in them so they invest in their, mem- in their staff. And if you did the math, there was about, collectively, 6, 9, 12. They managed about $12 billion. I can't even wrap my mind around $12 right now. So, so $12 billion, it's, it, you, don't even, you can't even wrap your head around it, right? But when I'm talking to them about their speech, their life, and how they care for their people, right? The verse says love. I use the word care. And then I said, well, you know, it also can be described as love. And they go, oh, no, we want to love our people. I'm thinking, that's not how we characterize those people. We characterize them by the cars they drive, the things they have. And, but God, these are people that need to know you. So a couple of them did. I don't think all of them did. And so it's such an interesting thing. Now, what if I hadn't discovered my gifts? What if I hadn't discovered my calling? Right? So that gave me an on-ramp into their lives. And then I have to be responsible with that and do everything I can to impress them with God's truth. And you have people like that. There are places you go that I will never be able to go. 
And so being the church is going into the places that God gives us an, an open door to and then walking in and trusting him by understanding what our gifts and calling are and then by fully activating those. If you can jump to the next slide, please. So there's a strategy in place, right? I love this picture because it's someone you know, lifting up the curtain in the, of the landscape beyond and, and seeing all that God may have for them. And this is where... This, this verse 12 where it talks about the, the immediate purpose and the ultimate purpose, this is where Pastor Richie comes in. This is where Pastor Tyler comes in. This is where the leaders in the church come in to say, hey, let's sit down together and talk about this, this, this thing that you're thinking about. This, this thing you see in the community that we haven't seen yet, but maybe God is telling us to do something there. But we wouldn't know to do it if it wasn't for you sitting with us and talking to us about it. And that's the amazing thing that can happen. See, we're all created to labor with God. We're, we're all created to be laboring in God's image. We're all created to be, to be like co-creators with God. He created the universe. He created us in his image. And then he gives us an opportunity to work in creation, on creation, with creation, and for creation. He gives us the opportunity. And I'm not talking about hugging trees, although that's okay if you want to. I'm talking about look to your left and look to your right. That's God's creation sitting next to you. You know, look out your front door, your back window. That's God's creation. Those people beyond the fence, that's God's creation. You know, think about when you walk into work on Monday. That's God's create. Those people are God's creation. We're to work in that environment. We're to work on it. We're to be active in it. We're to be with it. And then we're to be for it. And then as we do that, we're looking and we're seeing, okay, God, help me to see it. So there's a sight aspect to it. And help me to see what it is that you want me to do with it. That's the vision part of it. See, it's hard to get to vision if we don't have any sight. So we need sight and vision. And then ultimately, we can make a kingdom impact. So it's so far beyond. Okay, so strategize. So we have connect, we have discover, we have strategize. The next thing we do is we need to jump. You know, there is nothing that has made me qualified to sit with CEOs that run those businesses. I have no qualification. I can't balance my checkbook. Okay? But they're not worried about me balancing my checkbook. That's part of the reason why my wife and I have a good relationship, because she does the checkbook and I stay away from it. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But, but this idea of activating, of jumping out, of, of, of using my giftedness in whatever God may have for me. And, and, and this is how we deploy our gifts. And we do it in the service of God and others, in that order. That we would say, God, what's, let me be aware of what you're doing. Let me be aware of the others you've put in my life, and let me now be aware of how I can use my gifts in that setting. And this is part of it. And the final thing is this. We co-labor. We co-labor. This is a father and a son. The son is significantly disabled. And you've probably seen this. It wasn't the father who wanted to... The father did not invite the son into this. The son invited the father. The son was the one that wanted to run. The only problem was um, his legs weren't going to work like that. And so the father decided to be his legs. And what we would look at as broken and, and incapable 
God sees much differently. When you and I are sitting in the church, learning to be the church, oftentimes what we view ourselves is through our brokenness. We view ourselves through what we're not capable of doing, what I call your perceived limitations, the things that you kind of, it puts up the boundaries around God's full ability to use us. And we sort of construct that for whatever reason. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Those things are not real. That's just what you tell yourself about yourself. I love this, this quote. It says, everyone's work, you can replace that with ministry, and if ministry is everywhere as being the church, everyone's work is a mixture of creation and repair. Every day you have an opportunity to join God in working on his creation. But in that, our world is broken. So we always have to be thinking there's going to be something broken and repair that needs repair. And I have an opportunity to work on that as well. It's a mixture of creation and repair, encouragement and frustration. Anyone get frustrated in here? Yeah, I probably, I mean, today's an odd day. I've only been frustrated once. Um, and, and so, you know, encouragement and frustration. I only saw one hand go up. So the one person, thank you for your honesty. Everyone else, you're a liar. And, uh, and, and so... so No, everyone's work is a mixture of creation and repair, encouragement and frustration, success and failure, joy and sorrow. Here's the craziest thing. Roughly speaking, there's about twice as much work to do now than there was in the garden. Speaking of the Garden of Eden, before sin. You know, work is not less important to God's plan, it's more important. Being the church today... When we look around and we go, oh, look, the world is terrible. This is happening. That makes it so much more important that we be the church. Rather than, than hunkering down, we push out. You know, rather than just, oh, this is the way it's always been, we go, but that doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be this way. Let's get back to what it's supposed to be and let's push out. And rather than me having to be offended by what you're doing, I mean, Really, if you're, if you're a Christian and sinning, then I should be offended by what you're doing. Because you're supposed to know better. But if you're not a Christian and sinning, I should applaud you. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Like, you're living the life you're supposed to... Does that make sense to you? Like, what do non-Christians do? They sin. <laughs> like, this is how they live. And so, rather than being shocked by that, I have to understand that and go, well, how do I bring redemption into their life? How can I be the church in their life? How do I do that? Because they're, they're going to go to do what they naturally do. You know? And so this is, this is the world we get to work in. And we get to enter into that world. And think about this. God trusts us with it. He trusts us with it. He's saying, go. Go, therefore. Go, therefore. And he's saying, go. And there's places that you can go that I can't go. And there's places that I can go that you can't go. And this is the glorious thing we get to do. So where it says here in Ephesians 12 again, right? Prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let me, uh, let me end with a couple of questions because I think questions get us to answers. But the only one who has the answer is usually the person who's thinking about the question, right? So, a couple of questions. What are your gifts and abilities? 
Some of them are going to come to mind. If you think about what are your gifts and abilities, you have gifts and abilities. Okay? If you're unclear on what some of those gifts and abilities are, then sit down with someone who knows you and loves you and say, hey, what, do I, what am I good at? And if you want to take it a step further, you know, call up Tyler, call up Richie and say, hey, can I get together with you? I want to talk about this gifts and abilities thing. What do you see? And you take the risk with that and you let them speak into your life a little bit to see what, what they may see in you. The second question is this. Where do you personally sense the needs of the world and feel the brokenness of God's creation? Because that's the place of sight and vision. The place where you go, it breaks my heart that this isn't different. And if we step into that space, oh, God has something for us in that space. You know, we always want to step into the place of, you know, Oh, it looks good there. Let me go where everyone else is going. But sometimes it's saying, God, where's the brokenness? And where? So this homeless ministry, you know, dinner that they're doing, there's going to be some broken people there. Stepping into that space opens our eyes up because it's, it's good for us to need, need to be near brokenness. It's good for us to be near brokenness because we remember that God heals the brokenhearted. It's good for us to be near brokenness. And to step into that space. And then finally, what do you suppose you want to do about it? I think that's an excellent question I try to ask myself all the time. Okay, God, what am I supposed to do about this? Am I supposed to do anything? Am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to be stepping in? Am I supposed to be stepping up? What am I supposed to be doing? And most of the time, if I'm honest with you, there's a lot of times where I don't want to do anything. I just want to get busy doing what makes me feel comfortable. That's the truth of it. And yet, there's a part of me that I know it's less than what I, it's less of God than I really want, so I have to adjust myself to it, right? And I have to just step out. Here's the, I want to end with a story. And uh, I, I am a discussion group leader in a Bible study on Monday nights. And the average age of my group, I'm the young guy. <laughs> And I'm not young, but uh, I have a lot of men in their 70s in my Bible study, and I have one man in particular. His name is Jack. Jack is 90 years old. Two years ago, I didn't know Jack yet, but as part of this big Bible study group I'm in, um, I saw Jack with this brace on, like neck down his front and back. I then learned, just just the beginning of this year, I learned, uh, beginning of September, I'm sorry, I learned that, oh, Jack had broken his neck after his wife died. His wife died at, when Jack was about 87. He went out into the garage. Jack fell down in the garage. He broke his neck. But he was still coming to Bible study, walking with this big brace on. I thought, whoa. I mean, I'm nowhere near 90, and I don't think I'd be walking with the brace on, you know, if, if it happened right now. So that's just impressive in and of itself. Fast forward a little bit. Jack's in my group now, and we're sitting there talking. We're studying the book of Romans. We're going through chapter by chapter, 30 weeks, 16 chapters, right? So we're going through. And Jack now lives in assisted living. And Jack then goes on to tell us a story about a World War II vet that he lives with in the assisted living community who was not a believer. And the man went into hospice. And all throughout the relationship that Jack has with this guy, Jack continues to talk to the man about who Jesus is. And the guy continues to say, ah, not interested. 
not interested. Yeah, I've heard all of this, not interested. The man's in hospice. He's 90-something. Jack's 90-something. And Jack leads the man to Jesus. He didn't say, oh, I can't be the church anymore. I'm 90. You know, he leads the man to Jesus. Just two weeks ago, I'm in Bible study with Jack. And Jack's talking about this couple that he's been friends with for decades. And they brought their 13-year-old granddaughter to him at the assisted living to just meet him. So the granddaughter's prepped with a question. She's 13. She says to him, what's the most important thing that you've learned? Now, understand, this man was a very successful banker. He was a very successful man. He was an officer in the military. This man has lived an incredibly full life. And what he says to her is the most important thing. And he begins to share the gospel with a 13-year-old who doesn't know the gospel. He, she doesn't know who Jesus is. You know, that's being the church. In the assisted living, 90 years old, speaking to a 13-year-old. You know, that is incredible. That's being the church. So that's the people I like to hang with, you know. And, uh, and that's the people, when we hang with those people... It's incre- we, we start to see the church as so much more than just what we do on Sunday. We start seeing it everywhere. And that gets us excited so that when we look at the news, we go, yes, it all looks hopeless, but there's hope. There's hope. And I know, and I know who the hope resides in, and let me tell you about him. You know, and that doesn't always happen immediately. Sometimes that takes decades, and maybe you'll never be the person to share it. But you can introduce them. You can open the door. You can have, give them the line of sight to it. Let me pray. Um, God, thank you so much for your word, because in your word you reveal to us um, who you are. And as you reveal who you are to us, God, it's not just for the purpose that we fill our minds with information. It's so that our hearts are transformed by your word and by who, just that, that knowing you. That our, that our lives are transformed. I pray, Lord, for um, all the incredible things you're doing in Ojai uh, through the well here, through this church. Thank you that you're bringing people to hear about you. You're bringing people together in fellowship and community. You're helping people find places of service unto you and unto others, God. And we thank you for that. And we pray that you would continue... To, to prompt our hearts to be the church uh, here, there, and everywhere. And so we pray that you would continue to speak to us as we worship today and that we would be the church as we leave here and that we would do it Monday through Saturday and return again on a Sunday to just simply fill up and praise you for all you did throughout our week as we were being the church for you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michael. I'm especially happy that that we end our services with communion. Because it reminds us, you know, we've been exhorted to be the church. and, And now when we have the opportunity to celebrate communion together, we're reminded of the basis of the church. Jesus. That it's our faith in Christ 
that brings us into the body of Christ. And, and I love this passage in 1 Corinthians. It says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Communion is a time for us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And, and we do that if you're a part of the church, right? You come forward. And what, what are we really doing in being the church? Just following Jesus' example. Just being followers of Christ into the world, into the brokenness of the world. But before we uh, come forward for communion, I just, I just want to extend just, just a loving invitation. God wants you to be part of the church if you're not. It's not a closed society. Put your faith in Jesus. Rest on him fully. Believe on Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So maybe you've heard it, and you're, maybe the back of the question you have is, well, how do you become part of the church? Faith in Jesus. Rest in Jesus. If you do that in the best way you know how, come forward and participate in communion. It's part of the body of Christ. It's part of the body of Christ. Michael, thank you for reminding all of us that that's really what we do. We celebrate, we enjoy our time Sunday morning, but this is like a huddle. After, after the closing song, we're going to say, ready, break, and we're going to go. And we're going to go be the church until we get to gather once again next Sunday or in small group, whatever it could be. So let's pray, and then you can come forward. You can take uh, communion. We have uh, bread and juice here if you're visiting. You can come forward and go back to your seats. Take cups as you relate to prayer, just a personal time to remember Jesus and his voice. What does it mean for you? I love that question. What are you supposed to do? As you hold the cups, what are you supposed to do? And then take communion as you're ready. Lord, thank you that every Sunday we get to come forward and remember you, Jesus, and then to actually visually see that we are part of the church, the body of Christ, that we don't come forward alone. Thank you for Pastor Michael reminding us through Scripture that... Uh, the work is our whole life and that we are to be dynamic followers of Jesus everywhere we go, even when we leave here in a few minutes. So, so Jesus, we give you this time of communion. We do it in remembrance of you, but we also maybe specifically ask the question as we go back to our seats. How have you gifted us? What are we supposed to do with the brokenness? Lord, how does this become real? So you can come forward for communion whenever you're ready.